Hello, Ren. Welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix 249th film from 2020. It's the Chilean drama, Nobody Knows I'm Here, or in its native language, Naday Sabay Quay Astoy Aqui. It's directed by Gaspar Antillo. It stars Jorge, or George Garcia, Malore Lobos, Nelson Brote, Juan Falcon, Luis Neco, Alejandro Goic, and Gaston Pauls. I'm Jesse. I'm writing here solo for this Netflix international film. We are so close to 250 episodes. This is this 249. I, I can't believe we've been doing this for so many episodes. So super excited to get into this one and sort of uh, leading up to next week too. But we do start our show off with the fast flicks where we do a quick little summary of what the film is all about. So if you're keen on this film, want to check it out, give us a pause now, come back a bit later on because we're going to get into it with the fast flicks. And this one for me, it's about a former child star who's become a recluse and he needs to discover himself. All right, international film, as always, not much to sort of uh, discover about this film, about how it landed on Netflix, but this is the first Netflix original film from Chile. This uh, film, Nobody Knows I'm Here, was originally set to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. However, um, as I've seen with a lot of films from 2020, um, the festival was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, this film does start and has some singing or the, the title of the film nobody knows I'm here it's the title of um, a, a big song in this film as well as obviously a, a bit of a um, connection to our main character Memo who um, nobody knows where he's actually staying in this film but the the version of this soundtrack of the song um, was actually sung by um, Jorge Garcia or, or George Garcia so um, a nice little fact there as well so as I mentioned this did play sort of an online Tribeca film festival from the 15th of April 2020 Netflix picked it up and then put it on their service from the 24th of June 2020 this was filmed in and around Chile in Porto Octe and Lago Linaquil this did um, have some nominations. It was nominated at the Clo Traduce Awards for the best use of music in a film. And at that online Tribeca Film Festival, it also won the best new narrative director for the director, Gaspar Antillo. Um, so a nice little win there as well for this film. What are the critics and audiences saying about this film? Well, if we look at Rotten Tomatoes to start with, it sits at a fresh on 76%. That's on 17 reviews. So that's, uh, that's pretty good audience. Exactly the same, 76 as well on more than 100 ratings. IMDb, similar sort of uh, vein, 6.5 out of 10 on about 4,500 ratings. Letterboxd, it sits a little bit higher there on a 3.4 out of 5 on 8,500 ratings, but it's actually been logged by 11,000 people. And if we look at Metacritic, it sits in the positive on the green on 64, and that's on five critic reviews. The audience also has it in the green um, section on a 7.7 on nine reviews. Translations around the world for this one. In Japanese, this film is called My Song No One Knows. So nice connection there to that song that we spoke about before. In Swedish, I don't quite get this title. It's called The Murder of Will Willis. Um, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I have no idea what that translation uh, actually stands for, but that's okay. This is, it's been a while. I had a percentage match for this one on Netflix. So Netflix thought that I'd have a 58% chance of uh, enjoying this film. And that might lead me into my early thoughts. Did Netflix get this right? No, they definitely did not. I thought this was fantastic. I thought George Garcia pulls off this incredible performance, uh, which is like 100% believable and heartbreaking too. I mean, there's very little dialogue uh, in this film, and I guess it makes it perfect viewing for pretty much anyone because 
online there is so much criticism and negativity around Netflix and international films and, and you know people are always complaining and I think that this one should be watched by everyone. I, I really enjoyed this film and I'm going to talk a little bit about why I did soon but before we do that let's look at the characters in this one. Not many characters, it's a small little piece but obviously our main character Memo, he's, he's this recluse, this, this guy that's traumatized uh, by the the impact of being a child star and and you know as a child star his voice was used rather than his looks and, and his voice was put onto this skinnier kid and and obviously there's a little bit about body image in this and um this kid angelo who was the the performer on stage who used the voice of of mimo um you know th this guy's impacted mimo heavily um and mimo you know he, he keeps his interest in angelo as he's older now too because you know, he um, he reads his book and he wants to know where he's at because as we see throughout this film, and, and it's a, this is obviously a spoiler and it, and it leads to it, but um, Mimo lost it at one stage when he was younger and, and tackled Angelo on stage and, and made him wheelchair bound. So he has this interest in, in this guy that's almost ruined his life, but in, in reverse too, Mimo's almost ruined his life by putting him in a wheelchair too. Um, but Mimo, he's still got this like this dream, I guess, of, of being a star because he makes his own costumes. He, he performs in, in his room as an adult and um you know it's almost this thought of what could have been uh, he lives with his uncle and, and his uncle's this really nice guy i guess because he's the only one that sort of um and i'll talk about his uncle now uncle brolo who is he, caring and he's affectionate and he's sort of the only person i guess that's ever been there for him because we do see throughout that his dad uh, memo's dad was sort of this guy that used and abused his talent as a youngster and sort of left him and bailed on him and and we do see him come back in the film too uh, later on to sort of come back and, and almost use him again, which is quite sad. Uh, Memo with his uncle, they live, they live on this little, you know, off, I think it's an island where there's, it's very remote, there's no internet, there's no phone lines, um, and, you know, they, they shear sheep. And, and we see so much nice environment that they live in through the forest, through the waterfalls, through those sorts of things, this nice little secluded area that, that helps Memo um, be who he wants to be without, well, not necessarily be who he wants to be because he wants to be a star, but but sort of keep himself away from the prying eye of, of outsiders. Um, the only other sort of person that comes into this world uh, is Marta, and she's the, the niece of this guy called Sergio who, who brings or, or delivers goods to, to Memo and his uncle on this island. So she's sort of the outside connection for him, and she's, she's caring enough to show interest in Memo, I guess, and, and bring him these goods and, and bread and food and look after him while his uncle's hospitalized because he's here by himself. But on the other hand, she also is the reason for his downfall in this film too because she uploads this video to YouTube um, of Memo, which creates more interest in that people are like, oh, this child star that we haven't seen in a long time. Where is he? What's he doing? All that sort of stuff. And and it's almost a little bit deceitful too because, um, you know, she's built this nice connection with him and he's actually opened up his arms to allow her in to, to get a little bit of an insight into him, but she abuses that. And I'm not necessarily saying she's a bad character because her, her sharing this video is probably more of the influence of her boyfriend, this guy called Samuel. But, um, you know, I guess that, that boyfriend too, narrative wise he's sort of almost there just to ensure that as an audience we know that there's no love interest between her and memo it's just this friendship that they're trying to build so a little bit of a look on the characters there um let's talk about the, the director gaspar antillo this is his feature debut uh he's done one short before this and then went on to direct uh, a tv series called 42 days of darkness which is a chilean netflix series too so um 
up and about, I'm, I'm interested to sort of see this guy and see if he does any more features because, as I've mentioned, I, I did enjoy this one. Um, and let's talk about some scenes, some scenes that I did enjoy too. I think, um, you know, so little dialogue. It's more about the, the themes, the ideas, the cinematography in this film and, and nature plays such a big role too. But some things that stood out for me, I think I mentioned before that Memo's uncle, um, Brolo, he injures his hand um, trying to fix this boat and there's blood everywhere and, and this is that one stage where Memo is left by himself and just opened up the narrative and, and gave more insight into him and and his struggles of being by himself too. Um, then when we, we sort of see, I mentioned too, Marta sort of comes to show an interest in Memo and there's this moment where they're sitting in the lounge room and, and he flips this table because Marta picks up the book that he's reading, which is Angelo, the, the kid that was performing with his voice and you know she's like wow i'm not into this she gets up she leaves and, and he follows her and and we hear such little dialogue from him throughout but he just breaks into song and just to hear his voice it was just so impactful and it was like okay he needs Marta. he wants Marta there he wants to explain himself and the only way he can do it at the moment is through through song uh, i thought that was cool too a couple other things i think that um Memo, like once he realizes that this video of him has been uploaded online, he sort of has this sort of panic attack or stress attack and he's at home and, and he vomits this huge amount of red glittery goo like stuff. And, you know, as an audience, you're like, is this from him overeating from stress? Is it is this just because he's so stressed or is it because he wants to reject this idea of fame? He doesn't want this fame or this idea or, or being followed back with him. And I thought that was really symbolic. And then finally, the, the concluding or one of the concluding scenes of this film, um, we see that there's an interview between Memo and, and Angelo that's been set up and Memo's really frustrated and he takes the mic and he sings. And it's just such an impactful moment of him singing. I thought that was excellent too. I th- there's not much I didn't like in this film. Just that felt really sour to me. It was this, this idea when we hear about Memo's dad through flashbacks about how he used him as a child to make money and then he sort of comes back once he, he knows he's gone viral, I guess, through social media. And it just felt really hor- horrible because we already knew that he's only used him in the past to have him come back and use him again. It just felt a little bit too obvious. So that's the only thing that I didn't like in this film. And now I'm going to talk about some themes, some ideas in this one. I think, you know, I've sort of touched on a lot of this already, but the idea of cruelties of fame and fortune and, and you know, the idea of body image and looks and how, you know, skinniness or, or beautifulness is so much more impactful or so much more recognized by the media is, is super sad. And the idea of the paparazzi too and, and, and the way that they invade on privacy um, and the idea of a child star. I mean, the pressures of being a child star and, and parents almost living through their children and not necessarily doing the right thing by their kids, which is super, super sad. And we see there's lots of um, fantasy type moments in this film and, and the idea that Memo is living almost in a fantasy world, this idea that you know he's had humiliation in his past and, and that's led to his isolation. But you know, there are moments that we see that he wants to be seen um, and maybe he's a little bit over the idea of being invisible and, and he wants to, to, to get out there and, and, and escape. And, and they do this this idea of escape through the idea of space, I guess, through like space up in the sky. Um, we, we, we hear the you know, words about rockets and we see badges on, or like pins on Marta of astronauts and she gives him a gift that's space-like. And, and the camera throughout does this so well at various stages, these high angle shots and these shots like of the characters looking up in the sky at birds or, or clouds or almost like sign writer clouds in the sky too. And like is the idea of space this ultimate escape that that Mimo is, is really, really wanting? Um, I thought that was really cool. And, and then we see through color too, like Mimo, he wears this yellow jacket throughout the film 
and he puts it on at various stages to almost hide himself from this world, from this world of hurt that, you know, if he puts his jacket on, he feels safe. And, you know, how do we get rid of that jacket? How do we allow him to wear all these awesome costumes that he's been making to be on stage and be who he is? Um, and then, then finally, a little bit of idea of technology too, the, the internet. Um, you know, these guys, Mimo and his uncle, they live on this island, no internet, but but the internet and technology sort of breaks this peacefulness of them and, and the idea of, of nature that they're involved in all in this one little upload of a video. So, so much to talk about in this film. I, I really enjoyed it. I think, but I think there's one thing I do need to touch on it in my takeaways from this is at various stages in this film, I really, really struggled to see what was going on through the cinematography and the lighting at stages. It was really poor, especially inside. So uh, something to work on for our director, um, Gaspar Antillo, moving forward. The audience, especially if you, I know he probably wasn't expecting this to be a Netflix original film. He wanted it played in cinemas and things like that. But Unfortunately, when you, you get a streaming film, the color grade at times really, really plays up. So that's a little bit off-putting at stages in this film. Um, some questions, some ponderings about this one. I, we, we see Mimo at stages. He breaks into people's houses just to like walk around. Like, my question, I guess, is, or my, my thought is, why does he do this? Because it's not really explained. And I guess the idea is maybe this is about part of him like thinking about how do I get out of my shell? Is this how, how normal people or, or people who aren't me live? And the idea that, you know, this is the life that I could have if I can some, almost get over this trauma or the, this this grief from my past and, and I could live a life with other people and, and, and things like that. So that's my only thought on that one. Um, I think I'm ready to wrap this one up. I th I've tried to talk as much as I can about it. We give the film a rating out of five. For me, I, you know, I, I love this film. I, I like the whole idea of fame and, and the cruelties of it, the issues of parents pushing their kids, the pain of making mistakes, of feeling rejected. There's so many other things that this film touches on. I think this is, this is a really, really good film to watch. I'm giving it a four and a half out of five. It's excellent. I think you should give it a shot. Please do. Um, we have socials, we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you can, jump on there, like our posts, create some discussion on our posts, because I'm gonna put a, a question out there, in particular in relation to the final, or one of the final scenes in this film where I mentioned in my highlights that, that Mimo gets up, takes the mics and sings um, on stage, but the cameras are off in this, this studio interview, and the idea is, is, does his truth about him being the actual singer of this song ever come to light? do audiences do the public actually know that this guy in a wheelchair that, that took his voice and is getting all the support from the public and he's being sort of criticized like does his truth that he's the actual singer come to life because that scene actually sort of seemed sort of half fantasy half reality you didn't actually know whether it was real and i like that we finished on that i like that we don't know that you know whether he had this happy ending where the truth was revealed but i don't know i don't know does someone actually think that 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 actual truth was revealed i'm keen to hear so Give us a follow, give us a like, get on socials. We're back as always next week for another episode. Next week, we have a musical comedy from 2020. This is our 250th episode. It's the film about Eurovision. It's called Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. This is directed by David Dobkin. It stars Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams, Dan Stevens, Melisanthi Mahout, Mikhail Presbant, Olaf Darry Olferson, Graham Norton, Demi Lovato, and Pierce Brosnan. What a film for our 250th episode. It's a big milestone, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a massive guest back on our show. One of our original hosts, MJ, is going to join me for that one. So jump on board, watch Eurovision if you haven't seen it, in preparation for next week. As always, I hope you really enjoyed this discussion on this film, and I highly recommend you go out and check. Nobody knows I'm here. We'll see you next week. Bye.